Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we discuss pop culture through the lens of race or gender, and sometimes both. I'm your host, Julia, and on today's show, I'm discussing the 1999 team rom-com, She's All That. Carly and Becca are back, and it's about to get rowdy up in here. If you love our show and want to support it, there's a few ways that you can do that. Become a supporter on Patreon for $10 a month to receive ad-free episodes with bonus content, or you can write a review or rate the podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And if neither of those are your style, you can find us on Instagram. Give us a follow and share your video clips with your friends. We're on IG. We are on IG as pop culture makes me jealous. Thanks for tuning in y'all. She's all that stars Freddie Prince Jr., Rachel Lee Cook, Matthew Lillard, and Paul Walker. And as the New York Times puts it, she's all that. When Pygmalion meets MTV, the bookworm turns. It's senior year and Zach Seiler, the most popular boy in school, finds himself dumped and feeling badly burned. His girlfriend Taylor has left him for a reality TV heartthrob, Brock Hudson. How can he seriously compete with that? As an attempt to prove he still has star power, he makes a bet with his friend Dean that he can turn any girl in school into a prom queen. They zero in on Lainey Boggs, nerdy, artsy, socially awkward around popular types, whose father is a pool man and brother has no concept of social structure. Here's the catch. Zach has a very short turnaround time to turn Lainey into the queen. If you're familiar with the story of Pygmalion or its more modern iteration, My Fair Lady, it's easy to see the connection between the two. But before we dive in, let's say hello to our guests. Carly Adams and Becca Montez are back. There's something about talking about high school movies that came out when I was in high school with people you actually went to high school with, and I'm here for it. So pals, welcome back. Thank you. Super stoked to be here. Hey, thanks again. Excited to get rowdy with you. Let's get rowdy. <laughs> it's like my j Love song. Let's get loud. Let's get loud. <sighs> I mean, that's not hard, but here we go. In 1999, Variety trashed the film. Roger Ebert found it boring but predictable, and the New York Times was fair but disappointed in the movie. Variety specifically said, while there are a few good jokes and sight gags along the way, the main impression left by She's All That is how numbingly consistent it lacks of originality. Pick's version of high school has nothing that would surprise Andy Hardy and its characters never begin to rise above the level of cartoons and stereotypes. So let's start at the very beginning. If you can remember all the way back to 1999, what were your overall impressions of this film when you first saw it? Okay, so when I first saw it, and again, this is 
not now because things have changed for me a little bit, but when I, I it's first, been a long time, so it's been a long time. When I first saw it, I remember thinking this was one of the best movies I'd ever seen. Yeah. I thought Freddie Prince Jr. was amazing in this role. He's so dreamy. I thought he was just like the guy. I loved the makeover at the time. I thought it was just so fun. Um, and it was, it was just, yeah, I loved every single part. And it's really interesting because I hadn't seen this movie in a really long time. And when I watched it back, I was surprised at how different I felt <laughs> this go around. So I remember in 1999, I, this will not be a surprise to Carly, might be a surprise to Julia. I was obsessed with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Who wasn't um, obsessed with Jonathan Taylor yes. Thomas? No, no. She was. I celebrated his birthday. <laughs> with a friend and they with had a friend. birthday party. We had to do a birthday party for him, blow out a cupcake for him and watch all of his movies, which at the time was just The Lion King and Man of the House. Oh, anyway. Man of the House. That's such a great movie. In future years, he would be featured in that movie Tom and Huck. And Rachel Lee Hook Cook was in Tom and Huck. So part of me hated her and then part of me loved her because I was like, you got to be in a movie with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And then she was also in the Babysitter's Club, which I stand. I stand the Babysitter's Club always. Hundred. So the fact that Rachel Lee Cook was in this movie, in this movie as a lead role, as someone that people were interested in. And like for us in high school, it was like, if you weren't blonde, blue-eyed cheerleader, forget about it. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, no, but I'm Rachel Lee Cook. <laughs> I am the girl next door. I am brown haired. I am brown eyed. I don't paint in my basement, but you know, we can look past that. Yeah. I was so excited. Cause I was like, she's the underdog. She's, she is like, it was about her. She like, gets the hot guy. He gets the hot guy. I just remember it being about her when I watched it. And I never thought of like, his side of it until I rewatched it. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I never, I forgot about his whole, I need to pick a school College thing. And... Yeah. And also the fact that he got into all those specific schools at the time that didn't mean much to me because yeah. I think I was just starting to apply to schools, but I was, I was firmly planning on going to a state school. I did not understand how competitive the Ivy league situation was mm -hmm. and what it really takes to get in. So looking back at it now, I don't think it's more competitive now than it was back then, but it was still super competitive back then. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I only knew one person in high school that I knew of who applied to Harvard. And I was like, very amazed at that. They didn't get in, they were crushed, but the fact that they applplied, right. I was like, but they were in a position to exactly. Yeah. I didn't Whereas, even want to apply to UCs. I oh, like, I, I was like, I would, I will not get accepted to UCs. It's not happening. I'm for <laughs> sure going to a state school and I applied to four. <laughs> I applied to one school and I got into the one school and I went to the one school for one semester. I didn't no, even apply. Yeah. 
I went, I was like, MJ, see her, I come, even though I don't want to fucking be there. Like, go Pirates. Yeah. And it's, I, we I all apologize. ended up back at MJC. And I was going to say, I apologize okay. to the MJC staff and administration and everybody who might be affiliated with MJC who's going to hear this. But when you grow up in Modesto and you go from your high school to MJC, there's literally no difference in social status or structure. So it yeah. was like, I went from a small pool to a big pool where they tell you to act like an adult but give you no tools to like survive <laughs> yeah yeah so it was like fuck this shit i'm out after a year uh, <laughs> i also love this movie i was re-watching it in preparation for a conversation and i like after like doing the research for this episode and reading the articles i was very much in the camp of like yeah fuck this makeover shit and this is a terrible message like after reading all of these modern yeah. day articles and then I'm watching the movie and I was like isn't Freddie Prince so dreamy I want Zach Styler to notice me like I just got sucked back in to like being 15 and wanting somebody to find me adorable and yeah. lovely and you know fall in love with me with little to no effort at all but also can we talk about like Freddie Prince Jr.'s not that good of an actor. Oh, no. Why? But he wasn't I, terrible. Bless he his wasn't heart. terrible. But he, I remembered I it being- Zach Seiler. Like, I feel like that's <laughs> his role. But there, there's so many, like, she calls him out first things and his reaction is just like- <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, what did like, I see in this guy? <laughs> it's like my seven-year-old when I ask her if she lies and she's like- What's lying? I totally told the truth. It's fine. <laughs> because like if you think about it too was he and i know what you did last summer yes yeah so like he yeah. you know he, i mean i don't know <laughs> he absolutely was so like you know he's got all these 90s movies that are great but then if you look at the trajectory of his career after you know he was in the scooby-doo movies which he really didn't want to have to do like he really wasn't into the idea of doing them but then his wife convinced him and we'll talk about who his wife is in a little bit don't give it away anybody yeah if you don't already know friends at home who his wife is then you're gonna have to wait um and so like you know he just like I, he's so I just think he's so handsome and even now when I went like to their Instagram yeah. to look at them I was like this is the most they're such a beautiful couple I love that they're still married like all these things anyway but like I feel like Zach Seiler is his role like his dad was a really good and talented like I don't know if you'd seen any of his dad's work from the TV show that he did I like don't, I do not remember his dad at the time like when I rerun the movie I was like wait that's his dad because he's he's from um isn't he son. Puerto Rican isn't his dad Puerto Rican like Max Freddie Island Prince dad? wasn't Freddie Prince Puerto Rican no I'm talking about oh, his dad yeah. in real life yeah I'm talking his, about his dad, dad in real life Oh yeah, I thought you were talking about his dad in the no, movie. No, not his dad in the like, movie. Yeah. yeah. No, his dad in I real life. Was, I think his dad was a talented actor. Yeah, like, like he he was one yeah. of the first Latinas to ha Latinos to have a TV show where he was the lead character. Like that's a yeah. huge deal in media. And yeah. so I kind of fell down the rabbit hole a little bit too. And I didn't realize yeah, I did. that Freddie Prinze like also comes from mixed race heritage. Like one of his I don't know if it's his parent or a grandparent is white. And like, so there, but still he, you know, was raised with the culture and experience. Um, but still, you know, it's like, but you look at Freddie Prinze and you would never know that boy came from anybody Brown. Right. Which well, isn't a bad thing. I'm just saying genetics is funky. Genetics is funky. 
things got dark for his dad. Yeah, it did get dark for his dad. But also when you, like I watched a recent uh, docuseries that highlighted his dad a little bit and it sounds like he got a lot, you know, it was hard for him in Hollywood being um, a brown man in Hollywood, especially with the lead show and just all So it sounds like, you know, um, he didn't have the support he probably should have had that actors today would have going through some of the stuff that Hollywood put him through. His dad, his mom was Puerto Rican. And That's right. Por- I thought it was Puerto Rican. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's German, Puerto Rican. Yeah. I don't know where Prince came from. Prince is some, I'm sure if you, we fall down the, you know, history of what that got morphed from, it'd be really interesting, but we don't have that kind of time. Modesto Reads is a community on Instagram highlighting what people in the city of Modesto, California are reading. If you want book recommendations or if you live in the city of Modesto, follow Modesto Reads and use the hashtag Modesto Reads. And now, here we go to the show. The LA Times review was a little bit more favorable than most writing. The film even goes deeper to reveal that the childlike cruelty that persists in what are, after all, young adults reflects a persistent insecurity even within the most popular students. In short, She's All That offers unexpected depth. But the film 20 years later received some major criticism. Several critics make calls of misogyny and fat shaming and casual sexual harassment of Lainey and white privilege of many of the characters. The dance performance is even called unbelievable. I want to dive into a few of these. While I love dissecting things of pop culture's past, I think sometimes what happens is we lose the cultural context of the time and there's a fine line with most of it. Some people are straight black and white about these new analysis as well. In 1913, George Bernard Shaw's Pygmalion debuted in London, and it is the story of two men, one of whom is a scientist, make a bet that Henry Higgins can take a Cockney-speaking woman and and turn her into a poised, upper-class-sounding human. I mentioned earlier that MTV describes this film as Pygmalion meets MTV, which is a very 1990s, especially when you consider the adaptations of Shakespeare that took place in the 90s. And makeover movies were huge in the 90s. Never Been Kissed, Clueless, Bring It On are just a few to name. The makeover is a tried and true theme. Is it a dangerous and harmful trope? Because a lot of these critics, when I was doing, you know, some more recent article reading, were really hounding about how this is a harmful trope and this is very dangerous. And why must we make over somebody to be beautiful? And there's an extent to that, I agree. Um, but when I rewatched the film, I was like, I thought having been the generation that this film was targeted to, I didn't feel the pull of this is a dangerous trope. I, I mean, like, maybe I'm alone in that. I don't know. No, I don't think it wasn't like, so if we're comparing it, like you said, like to Clueless, in Clueless, Cher totally changes how, what's her face? Ty. Forget her name. Ty. She totally changes how Ty is. She adjusts how she talks. She adjusts how she dresses. She adjusts like everything. Everything. Eating. She does it's like she completely changes her as a person mm-hmm. whereas I think that in this movie it's a uh, like it started out very innocent it was like you have beautiful eyes 
why don't you wear contacts? She's like, I have them, but I don't like putting my fingers in my eyes. And so like, it's literally a haircut and contacts and that's it. She doesn't Tweezing. change her clothes. And makeup. Tweezing. Yeah. And makeup. But later on, after she's made over. She's still back in her original clothing. No, she's wearing her original clothing. She's still wearing her pulled back in a ponytail. Like, yeah, she got dressed up for prom, but everybody dresses different for prom. Like, yeah, well, and the the date that she got the makeover for, she got that, that dress. It's like a skimpy dress Mm -hmm. and heels, which she's not used to. But I didn't think that it was as... It, he wasn't trying to make her over as a person. Where, yeah, whereas, yeah. like, I feel like the other makeovers, it was like, no, like you aren't very good enough overtly. as a person. Mm-hmm. Like you're not good enough how you look. You're not good enough how you act. You're not good enough. Like your friends aren't good enough. Who mm-hmm. you like isn't good enough. This was very much a let's just elevate her. Like I felt like it was more elevated. Yeah, because there's a point where too, like we all don't look the same like we did in high school. So we, everyone eventually goes through some version, their version of a glow up, right? Like if I still looked like I did when I was in high school, I would either have a shaved head right now, or I'd have bleached blonde hair Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I would still have massively huge eyebrows, which I probably shouldn't have tweezed them as much as I did in 2000. But you know, I didn't know any better at the time and skinny eyebrows were in, but you know, I'm going to be back also, but I'm not joining that. Yeah. I'm not joining that movement, but there's an element to, I think with the makeover where it's like, he, he makes her over for the party, you know, but then the rest of the movie, she's still in her grubby artsy clothes yeah, for the most still part. Got the, the job at the falafel hut. Yeah. Wearing a falafel <laughs> hat. Can you supersize my balls, please? Uh, I mean, her friend is still the dude from the Mighty Ducks slash Fulton, uh, Fulton but we also Fulton. he's he's from um, oh, why am I forgetting that the Netflix superhero, the one who's blind. I close my eyes for that. Daredevil. Uh, Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, he plays Daredevil's best friend. Oh, I love Bob, that. Bobby Nelson. Um, yeah, like I just like that. Like, and her best friend. Like she stays with her best friend the whole time. Like yeah, it's, it's yeah I did like that. There wasn't then, like, this thing where she got you know in a lot of movies like cool they get mm-hmm, they get conceited and then you yeah. know changes. He's like you've changed. Like there wasn't that aspect, which is exactly. yeah, I agree. And I felt I, so I didn't I didn't mind the the makeover aspect of it because like I think all of us can relate to hey I'm going out tonight and I want to look a little bit different and I want to look a little bit cute. And when you don't don't have like covered overalls. Yeah. And like, so like her mom in the movie, her mom's dead. And so she doesn't have the female influence that she would have had if her mom was alive. I'm not saying my mom was very much alive. My mom is not a girly girl. I learned how to do makeup from the makeup counter. I learned how, like, there's certain girly girl things that I did not learn from my mother because that's not who she is. So I could relate to Lainey in the sense of like, like Abby's the one who tweezed my eyebrows. Cause she's like, girl, you got to do something with that caterpillar on your face. But you know, my mom's not going to think that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so there's this component to Lainey's makeover situation that I related to because somebody else came to me and was like, you're beautiful. Let's enhance that. Yeah. Exactly. Let's elevate that. Mm-hmm. That being said, I do really appreciate the more modern, um, trend of in movies like less makeovers and more really celebrating people's existing differences yes 
I think that that trend is probably more here to stay. And I think that that's healthier for kids these, this age, Mm -hmm. um, because there's enough messages out there telling us like, I mean, you're all right, but like, maybe you should lose a few pounds or wear something different or get some makeup or do your hair more. And I think, um, having that pressure to spend so much time on appearances can Mm -hmm. really, I mean, I think we're just seeing a lot of like mental health issues going on with teens these days. And so messages that are more celebratory for how you are currently, I just think at the end of the day, are probably going to be better overall. Yeah. It's definitely a healthier. I agree. It, well, it's like in Princess Bri- Diaries where, you know, um, Mia has super curly hair, but they straighten it. Like that always bothered me because I'm a curly haired girl who doesn't, who didn't know how to do her curly hair. So when it comes to criticizing makeover movies, I'm always like, don't take the girly, curly girl's hair and make it straight. Show her how to do her curly hair. Yeah. To yeah. Me, that's a makeover, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. that's helping you enhance what God gave you. If you believe in God, what genetics yeah. gave you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's your natural beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk misogyny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My favorite topic. It's the best. <laughs> The whole premise of the movie is queued up by the bet between Zach and Dean turning any ho-hum girl into the next prom queen. He is the star of the school and his star power will elevate any girl. That's the attitude. The girl they're looking for must fit a very specific standard that Zach and Dean have deemed necessary for success. They are establishing the beauty standard to elevate. They are walking through the corridor at school, offering opinions as to why these girls they walk by aren't the right fit. And recent critics suggest there is a cruelness to this scene. But at 15, I saw it how our male friends would have been talking about other girls in school and would have probably how they would have handled that scenario. So watching this scene now, how does it land for you? I'm going to be honest. I didn't see any difference between, I didn't necessarily see it as misogyny only because I just kept comparing it to the clueless, um, you know, makeover and nobody was having these types of issues with, uh, with Cher and Stacey Dash's character, you know, doing the makeover. And I know it wasn't picking someone from a crowd, but it was just like, Oh, maybe we can make her our project. Mm -hmm. And I just, I didn't see any differences. So I guess in my mind, I didn't see it as necessarily misogyny, even though I know it can be taken that way. Yeah. I just thought that it was, I mean, I don't think it was necessarily misogyny, but I do think that it was perpetuating like certain aspects of misogyny mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. yeah men dictate what's pretty yeah men dictate what's desirable mm-hmm. men dictate and it was like just the way that they went through and it was like no she's too fat no she's too this no she's too that and it was just like judging people just for their outward appearance mm-hmm. <clears throat> just felt icky mm-hmm. but also that's like very much high school yeah yeah and like at least in that scene they said it out loud like almost to their face in front of them it wasn't like they commented on their instagram about it Mm -hmm. or like 
you know not, I mean? yeah posted something on snapchat posted something that's about like it. Exactly. derogatory about them and they don't even know exactly yeah, so i think like it's it's hard because like it's very much like they knew what would be hot like rachel lee cook does fall into like thin pretty like yeah, she's pretty with glasses and a unibrow. Like, exactly. like she, she the whole, I unibrow. It was like the slightest of yeah, unibrows. It was, the, it was very hard to see the unibrow. But, you yeah. know, the whole, I guess, too, back in 1999 watching it, it was like, well, I think she's pretty. I don't understand why, you know, she was picked as the one. <laughs> yeah, but I think it was looking exactly like top. that, she's still pretty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it was just something where it's like, did I think that it was misogynistic? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Did I think that it was icky? Absolutely. Did I, I think that it was relatable? Even more absolutely. And in this age, we do the same exact thing. I mean, I don't because I'm married. But I mean, I do because I'm dating. I'm in the dating exa- world. Are you swiping right or are you swiping left? Exactly. Swipe, swipe. And it's like, why did you swipe? Well, they're not my type. It's like, how do you know they're not? Their, I mean, it's, it's true. Like, it's like literally like, how do I not? How do I know they're not my type until... But it's like you're taking just a couple of facts and making a snap just decision. Like it's not that like women don't do it too. Right. I mean, if any of us have sat around on a friend's Bumble account and uh, and help them swipe and write messages, I mean, and been like, let's play Bumble and just like go for it. Exactly. I mean, that's yeah. We've all been there, and yeah. I think men do it, but like this movie kind of celebrated it in a way, like Becca you're going to have, you were there for this. So, and it happened at about the same time this movie came out, but do you remember us going to the mall one time and these guys had signs that were like the numbers, like you would get graded and as girls walked by, it'd be like seven, eight, nine, 10. Oh my God. And they were just, it was like a little alcove with some chairs. And like, as people like walked by, they were like, like in front of Macy's upstairs. Uh huh. And we were, and at the time I was just like, Oh my God. Like, (laughs) and like thought it was like, so silly and looking back I'm like wow that's crazy yeah that's, that's kind of shitty well it was it was like what was the name of that website where it was like hot or not yeah oh yeah hot or not.com and you're just like you gotta get a seven at least at a least seven. yeah I, and it's so interesting to me because like when I think back about on a our experiences in high school and granted it was you know this is 1999 early 2000s our male friends, and this is more specifically for Carly because she knows some of the people I'm referring to, literally had conversations like this. Like I have very, I have residual effects from some of the statements that they would make about girls when we were in high school, like things that I was like, I'm never going to do that because I've heard the way they talk about it when the girl is not around and that's bad, right? We can all agree that's bad. But at the same time, like when you're 15 with, I'm not, I'm not justifying their actions and behaviors. That's not what this is. This is me saying 1999 is a very different world than 2019. And, um, when you grew up with only knowing things like she's all that never been kissed, 16 candles, you know, et cetera, you don't necessarily understand that there's another way because no one's having those, we did not have these conversations. Like we weren't talking about 
the whole concept of like, oh, you're laughing at his jokes all the time. So you must like him. Like that was the mentality, right? Like it had nothing to do with like, no, maybe I just thought it was funny and I don't actually like him kind of shit. So I just just laughed because if I didn't laugh, then people would look at me weird. Yeah. So I struggle a little bit. Yeah. So I struggle a little bit because I'm just kind of like, you know, when you look at Pygmalion specifically, it's the same exact thing. So in terms of an adaptation, a modern retelling of something that happened, you know, 90 years prior, they did a pretty good job in like Mm -hmm. capturing the essence. But when you like, well, we'll talk about he's all that later. (laughs) So I don't know. I do think that, you know, there's some stuff in there where I'm just like, yeah, that borders on misogyny, but there's that, you know, varying degrees. And we talked about that. There's, you know, there's like, it's just like, it's like a sliding scale. It's not black and white in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Hughes by Jewels offers custom artwork and original prints specializing in watercolor focusing on the human form and different shades of skin. If you're looking for that perfect gift for a birthday or have a special memory you'd like to commemorate, visit Hughes by Jewels on Instagram or find the Etsy shop of the same name. That's Hughes, H-U-E-S by Jewels, J-U-L-S. In 2021, Netflix did a modern remake called He's All That. And in my opinion... It was trash. It felt cheesy and didn't have the same magic as its makeover movie predecessors. Aside from that, the general consensus is that she's all that movie has not aged well. And I do want to preface this. I will die on this hill. And I've said this multiple times on the show. When you make a remake of a adaptation, you're going to fail. It's just going to fail because you're getting away from the root of the themes and the con and the, and the story. With that said, What's your viewpoint in the has this movie aged well conversation? Over to Becca. Mm. Yes and no. I mean, I think that if this movie was made like this year, it would like be the most streamed movie on Netflix. Which they tried to do with He's All That and it failed. Yes, but the thing is, is like they tried, like you said, they tried to remake a remake. Like if the original was put out right now and instead of being like, like they tried, instead of making it prom queen, they try to like turn someone into an influencer or like something like that. That's what he's like, all that was, right? They tried to turn him into like popular influencer. I honestly type. could not even watch it. I was so excited. And then yeah, I fine. watched, I, I hate, I ended up hate watching. They even down to the dance scene. They had a choreographed dance scene at the, at the prom. And I was like, this dancing is trash. <laughs> I mean, unless it's the Cupid Shuffle, I'm not in. Cupid Shuffle, in. Any other dance? No. Don't. I found out, fun fact about the movie, that wasn't in the original script, but they wanted to lengthen the movie by a couple minutes, so it was like a last minute ad. Oh, I love that. And Usher was also underutilized. We didn't mention that. Uh, the thing about some of the critics about the original with the dancing being unrealistic, I was like, did you not watch any movie from the 90s? Like every high school movie has a dance scene. Like this is what every we did. Every high school movie has a dance scene. I loved that back in 10 Things I Hate About You, they had like a live band at prom. Yes, like it's like, that was a total 90s to thing. It's like, who's going to be the band at prom? Who's like an actual real band? And like yeah. realistically, 
like our bands at high school prom sucked mm-hmm. but also we just had a dj but yeah. um but yeah, back I to think- the conversation about if this movie aged well I don't think it necessarily aged well, but I think the premise of the movie is very much timeless. Mm-hmm. I think the execution, if done today, wouldn't wouldn't stand. But certain aspects of it, I I read the one thing I did. I like tried to look at it through the, like the scope of diversity. I always try and do that. I'm like, how diverse is this movie? Like. It, it had a fairly diverse cast, but just like the other movie, it's very much black and white. Like mm-hmm. where where are other elements? The one thing that I noticed this time that I never noticed before is Kieran Culkin is wearing hearing aids. Yeah, and apparently he doesn't understand. An he didn't know later, why he was doing it. Yeah, it was just like part of his like costume, mm-hmm. and it was like. I don't I don't need a backstory about a disability like that's I'm not I'm not here to be like an ableist like tell me tell me about your trauma kind of thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like I don't need to know why you have hearing aids I appreciated it I just thought that it was kind of like yeah are we- I I also appreciated it because I felt like it was like hey because we had a kid in school if I remember correctly who wore hearing aids so it didn't seem unusual to me to see like a younger no. person with hearing aids no, my husband wears hearing aids like he wore hearing aids when he was younger too mm-hmm. um it's I just liked that that was normalized but like mm-hmm. I thought that sort of diversity was good um I do think that as far as aging well if it was executed a little differently mm-hmm. it would work these days mm-hmm. but if they stay I'm- true to the themes of Pygmalion yes <laughs> Well, and I found like in the movie, because the majority of the cast was like the popular crowd, but Mm -hmm. there were a lot of, it seemed like there were a lot of unwritten rules in that crowd. And like, you had to do certain things to fit in. And because we were mostly seeing the high school lens through those folks, it seemed like most people weren't necessarily completely themselves. They were like trying to stay in this inner circle and it was a status symbol so I found it interesting because the only characters who were really truly like themselves and that was enough was Jesse and Mackenzie yeah they were super under I mean I thought it was really cute how like they kind of like it's implied they're like getting together they like each other but they were a little um underutilized yeah and I think if it was 2022 I feel like we would have seen more characters like that where who you are is just celebrated for being yourself. Um, but yeah, there would be more diversity too, which I think you make a good, good, you make a good point though, about how like the four it's a forced look, the lens that we're looking through is through a very specific popular crowd. This is what we're trying to see. Um, and I wonder if that's part of the flaws with some of the remakes that are happening when the remakes don't land well, because they're trying to pull back and broaden the lens which you don't do necessarily in storytelling, right? Like there's the overall, what are we trying to retrieve? Mm -hmm. And then you get little scopes in within that as well. Especially when you're doing like a film or something that's episodic. And when you try to pull it back and make it more broad, it doesn't like you, you can have an ensemble, but the ensemble still has focuses that they're working through. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did appreciate Oh, I was going to say the one thing, like speaking on what Carly said, that like 
there were only certain characters that were true to themselves in the movie. I appreciated that there were mean girls in every group. Mm-hmm. Like the very beginning of the movie, they open up and they're like, um, you know, we think that your artwork is amazing. Um, but like true artists aren't appreciated until you posthumously, know, posthumously. Mm-hmm. but they pronounce it posthumously and that drive me, drove me nuts posthumously. Um, but they're like, so we think you should kill yourself. And like, just that, like that, it, could you imagine number one, if a kid actually said that to another kid in a classroom, these today days, would not fly. Yeah. yeah. They would probably be suspended. Well, and there was that girl who was put on trial because her, she told her boyfriend to take his own life and he did. And so they were holding her responsible. So it's totally a different world. Yeah. It's a different world, but like, and I, I don't know if you guys dove into that case, but it wasn't just like one comment. It was like a whole thing. Right. It was crazy. But anyway, I digress because that's its own thing. But like those girls were supposedly like in in the same crowd as Lainey, mm-hmm. even yeah. within that same crowd, there's a hierarchy. Girl, there was still a hierarchy. She's like, I'm going to an art school and your dad cleans my pool. Like, kind Which of thing. So, and, like, it was such shitty when they kept doing the whole thing of like, my, your dad's my pool cleaner. And it's like, know, her my dad, dad has dad a million runs- dollar house. So he's doing fine. Like, yeah, like her dad runs a successful business. Like, that's more than what a lot of people can say. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I just think, as far as like aged well, I think that like it's definitely still relatable. Yeah, I think that in my in my opinion, <laughs> I'm skewed because I again I was like, I want a Zach Siler to fall in love with me with very little effort. Like, look at my Instagram and see how adorable I am, and just be like, I love that girl, and also be like all the things that I need in a man. <laughs> yes, not okay. healthy, not healthy. Um, but I think you know if you're looking at it, if your experience isn't similar to ours and you're looking at it today and you're not watching it with like any sort of preface and you're like 16 and your mom's like, Hey, let's watch this movie. And there's no preface about like context. I think it would be very shocking for some people. Cause you know, we just don't make movies like that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Did you watch it with your kid? Mm-hmm. What did he say? I'd be interested. Like, had he seen it before? I don't think he'd seen it before. I was like, we went through a phase where I was like, you have to watch all these movies that I watched in high school because they this will explain me so well to you. Yeah. You're like, I need you to know me. Cheers. And now I can't remember. But when I said, I was like, oh, I'm going to rewatch these for a couple of episodes of the show. He's like, oh yeah, I'll sit through them with you. So like, that tells me that he, you know, he didn't hate them. Yeah. I would just be interested to know like what what a teenager these days actually thinks of these movies that like mm-hmm. we really, really liked. Mm-hmm. Cause uh, it was so canon. defining. Yeah. It's yeah. so defining for a generation. Like that was freshman, like fresh. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. She's all that had me thinking that one day a hot preppy Americana boy would see past my quirks and snort laughing and just fall deeply and madly in high school love with me. I am sad to report that never happened, though this explains why so many of my short stories have this sort of theme to it. Not not the makeover theme, but like the innocence of love and high school kind of shit. I want to thank my guests for joining me today. They will be back to discuss one more flick that was released during our high school years. Carly, Becca, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you tell everybody where they can find you if they want to keep up with you? Sure. Um, you, if you want home organization tips, because uh, that's mostly what I post about, um, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Tidy Revival or see me um, on my site at tidyrevival.com. 
And you can catch me on Twitter at Becca Montez. Um, it's a lot of mom content. So, you know, hope you enjoy that. <laughs> We're here for the mom content. And if you love our show and want to support it, there's a few ways you can do that. Become a supporter on Patreon for $10 a month and receive full bonus ad-free episodes. You can write a review or rate the show wherever you find your podcasts, or you can find us on Instagram and give us a follow, share our video clips with your friends, or just generally love and like all of our posts. We are on IG as Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous. Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous is written, edited, and produced by me, Julia Washington. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. We'll talk to you next time.